Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Chens, all you Changs, all you Tominés. I'm Jeff Foki. And this is Boobang. As ever, we'll be taking a look at the latest in Asian American culture and entertainment and more ways you can support racial justice and equality. Let's do this. I wanted to talk about hiring. Obviously, a lot of companies are getting a lot of flack for having really bad representation in their, whether it's their executive team, whether it's their entire company. I know since I've been in a position to hire, I've always made it a point to certainly make my team diverse and make sure there's representation. And I just wanted to share some resources, just a few that I found, especially when hiring hiring and celebrating black talent. Printmag.com a couple months ago came out with a great list. If you search for resources for hiring and celebrating black talent on printmag.com, they have a great list of places where you can find designers, writers, producers, all types of creatives. A great one is hireblackfemalecreatives.com. Actually, and hey, here's a shout out. I'm actually hiring right now. So if you're in social media, this has nothing to do with the podcast. This is my marketing agency that I work for. We're looking for a social media content producer. So if you're looking for a job, please hit us up, yellowperilpod at gmail.com, and I will take a look. So we just wanted to make sure and support, you know, people that are making sure that their teams and their companies are diverse. If you're in a position where you can hire, I hope you'll keep that in mind. I hope you'll give these resources a look. Support Black Lives Matter, support diversity, support representation. It's the right thing to do. This website's pretty awesome. Hire Black Creatives, hireblackfemalecreatives.com. It's a list of photographers, art directors, hairstylists, copywriters, graphic designers, UX, UI designers, creative studios, videographers, nail artists, wardrobe stylists, motion designers, illustrators, industrial designers, producers, makeup artists, set designers, casting directors, lettering and design. Oh, is that all? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great resource. A few other sites you could check out. Blacks Who Design, African American Graphic Designers, People of Craft, Black Artists and Designers Guild, Black Creatives Directory, Black UX Collective, Black-owned fashion brands to support and invest in. There's so many resources. You have no excuse. It always kills me when I think about Houston, Texas, because it's sort of the future of America in a lot of ways. I mean, I think it's a blue city in a, in a red ocean, red sea. And I know there's a shit ton of Vietnamese people there. There's just a lot going on there. Like, I feel like it's a big testing ground for all the things that happen in the suburbs, such a big sprawling mess where stuff happens. It's also super interesting, but wanted to bring it up because this week or the past few weeks, a local Vietnamese American community leader, uh, Lei Huang Nguyen. He's been a leader in the Vietnamese community since childhood, apparently. But he put up a, a Black Lives Matter billboard. I don't know what's up with, first of all, what's up with the Midwest and the South with billboards? I guess it's, it's a thing. I mean, there's literally a movie called Three Billboards, but <laughs> it says, the, the, the billboard says Black Lives Matter, uses the same font that we see all the time. And then it says it in Vietnamese. And then it says stop racism. And apparently he's been getting a lot of 
death threats. They're they're calling on his lynching, which is I I don't know if that term is ironic, but obviously the people who are saying it don't quite understand the impact of saying lynching. Yeah, they're talking about boycotting his business and they're attacking his family as well. What in God's it boggles me that people are like I'm so against this stop racism thing. I mean, obviously people are reacting more to the term Black Lives Matter because they're idiots because they are racist, but. <laughs> It's like they're trying to prove... I can't even begin. No, they're trying to prove... That they're racist. They're trying to prove that that statement is racist by using very racist terms. Yeah. How do you say this in Vietnamese? Can you read that? Yeah, it says... I can't tell what symbol is. I don't know what... I don't know how to pronounce that. There's a dot. But... means uh, stop... It's not done. It's not quite racism. It's sort of like prejudice. Stop prejudice. Yeah, I don't right. know what jump means. Let me look that up. Yeah, I mean, thank you to Mr. Nguyen in Houston, Texas. We appreciate you doing this. Billboards still get messages out, Vubang. <laughs> like it is still a pretty big marketing thing that you know works, and obviously it's working, but. It's working against this particular person because of racism, because of racist idiots, not racism. Yeah, racism. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's hard for it's hard for people to question the Black Lives Matter statement or movement without them actually being racist themselves, which is probably a telltale sign of you yourself being racist. Absolutely. Do you think, I mean, I wish there was a little more info on this. It's just a tweet that we have, but... I wonder what community is being vocal. It's not like racist Vietnamese people. It's just racists. I think a lot of it is Vietnamese folks. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the nature. I mean, Vietnamese folks tend to skew Republican. These are older ones as well. Right. If you scroll through the Twitter comments, which... Oh, the thread. The thread. It's a lot of Vietnamese folks saying, you know, like... Right. And granted, the billboard is in Houston's Chinatown, so the community is predominantly... Yeah. I'm not saying the thread is saying racist stuff. I'm saying a lot of Vietnamese folks are relating to it and saying they have family that are sort of, you know, anti... <laughs> Pro-Trump, anti-everything nowadays. Right. I just... I don't understand people reacting to stop racism by like, fuck you, don't. Yeah, I mean... Don't stop racism. <laughs> like, basically, people are saying, no, don't stop racism. <laughs> <laughs> because it's working. It's totally working. It's working fine for everyone else, right? That's, I guess, their argument. I don't want to empathize with these people. Not at all. No, no, no. But what can I say is that, you know, for some in the community, the Black Lives Matter slogan and name, and probably even the font... Is is getting, yeah. I mean, I wonder what happens if this was in Comic Sans, if that changes anything. Oh, then I would get mad. Yeah. As a designer. And I'm not trying to empathize with racists. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly the reasoning is to lash out at someone besides the obvious, like, fear and, you know, being racist. Yeah, he had to put up a follow-up Facebook post video. He's wearing an American hat, <laughs> American flag hat in it. And I think he's putting up another billboard, actually. Good. That's going to honor first responders. So 
That's good. They should do three billboards and it should say black and then lives and then matter. <laughs> three billboards. Yeah. So yeah. he said he had three goals when he put it up. Number one is to show my public support for stopping all racism and injustice. Number two is to inspire future generations of leaders. And number three is to speak up and to start the hard conversations about racism and injustice. This is a big deal for him because he's a farmer's insurance salesman. So if you can imagine, you know, being a Vietnamese American farmer's insurance salesman, like you're going to the type of business that he depends on means interacting with those in his community and not totally pushing folks away. Like literally the, the insurance salesperson going from neighbor to neighbor. So Well, we give huge props to Mr. Nguyen and what he's doing. And shame on all the people that are attacking him, boycotting his business, and apparently calling for his lynching. Unbelievable. Sports? I know basketball's come back. There's been a lot of news about it, but also baseball's back, but no one really cares. And so I'll keep this really short because I don't think people even watch baseball anymore. But there's some players that are actually wearing face masks during baseball. And one of them I wanted to point out because he's uh, Japanese-American, Kyle Higashioka of the New York Yankees. I think it's going to be a pretty powerful statement when he he says he's going to wear the mask, I think only when he's catching, not when he's actually hitting. So, Because there's a lot of players that he has to interact with as a catcher. So it'll be interesting. I think it's going to be an ongoing issue that hopefully folks can start socializing and seeing players with their masks on. and just He's wearing a gator already at bat. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. maybe they're just calling it a gator then. Oh, no, this is... Uh... Oh, maybe he's only wearing it during at-bats then, not during... I don't know how baseball... It, you should be wearing it all the time, but I think he's only wearing it part-time, but we'll see. And it's a gator. It's not quite a mask, so... Right. But it is certainly better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, it says... Oh, that's somebody else. So one of the players is wearing a gator while in the batter's box, and Higashioka is wearing it while he's catching. That's what the caption says. So. Oh, he's the catcher in the back, right. But the batter in that particular case, was also wearing um, some face coverage. Yeah. Huh. It's not that big of a deal. I think if you watch the game, it totally looks normal. It just looks like he's cold. Right. It just looks like he's wearing a gator because <laughs> it's cold. But yeah. apparently it's a political statement now. So y'all baseball players are sheep if you're not wearing, if you're wearing gators during batting practice. I don't get it. I mean, I see these guys, one guy, a few of the players are even wearing them while they're warming up. It's just, why not? Because it's going to hinder you from breathing in more oxygen or... I was saying this the other day to a friend, which I'm not, I'm not sure why people aren't even thinking about. If the conservatives are worried about CO2 when you're wearing a mask, isn't that what we want them to be worried about? I mean, after all these decades, haven't we been trying to get conservatives to be worried about CO2 levels? <laughs> Regardless, there have been tests and... Oxygen and carbon dioxide particles easily pass through fabric. There's no way it's stopping it from accumulating in your mask. So let's throw that out the door. Yeah, but with all the humidity and CO2 levels, what's happening in my face is what's happening to our rainforests. So we got to free the rainforests. You solved it. You solved it. I think people should wear, athletes should wear masks. If they're worried about it, like hindering them from being, breathing in more aerobically you know i think of it as like weight training right it's like imagine the day when you don't have to wear the mask you're like <gasps> like oh my god like i'm the best breather ever 
Exactly. Yeah, there's some athletes that train underwater, like Kyle Korver. Like they hold their breaths and and train, and it makes them more powerful. Yeah. So yeah. this is actually a thing. This should be a thing. So you're saying in in a few years, there's going to be a whole generation of youth that are going to just be like really great at breathing because they just grew up wearing masks. Yeah. Super athletes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because they intake high oxygen. Yeah. I mean, we're this is a, a scientific pod. We we know what we're talking about. Yeah. Believe us. This is all you. I'm not touching. I don't want to get in trouble for this one. Let's take this next one with a grain of salt. <laughs> Let's take a grain of rice, actually, with this one. <laughs> with a grain of rice. No, that's still too big. <laughs> a grain of rice is too big than a grain of salt. <laughs> Broken rice. A recent study says that kimchi protects against COVID-19. <laughs> I can't even say it with, with a straight face. We're not promoting this. We just wanted to talk about this study. And granted, we did find this on a, a Korean website called donga.com. So the study says fermented cabbage helps decrease levels of ACE2, an enzyme in the cell membrane mostly found in lungs that is used by COVID-19 as an entry point into the body. But if you consume high levels of kimchi, you can bring down the number of ACE2. I guess I could just call it ACE2. So it's, that makes it more difficult for the virus to enter the body. Sure. They're also saying Germans can get this benefit by eating all that sauerkraut that Germans are so fond of. Taiwan. Taiwan loves Xuanzai, which is a pickled cabbage as well. So, I mean, clearly all these countries with low <laughs> rates of COVID-19. That must be why. Wouldn't that be a great end to the movie? It's sort of like all those movies where... Oh, like every alien movie. It's like, we just had to infect them with a virus. Or we just had to implant this thing. Like, oh, the, all we had to do to cure the zombie infection was to eat more pickled cabbage and vegetables. That was the cure. I mean, so the guy that's, that's pushing this is a technical consultant with the Korea Agriculture Development Institute, which sounds like a lobby for kimchi, but I'm just guessing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's pushing, he's pushing cabbage. The guy's name is Hong Jong-hoon. I'm going to read this from the Baltimore Sun. Hong is quick to admit he is not a doctor. That's obviously <laughs> a scary sign. But he says he is a scientist knowledgeable about plant diseases and the ways of living organisms right his sars research was done over the internet he said <laughs> so i mean this is well look if you want to research this more i would read the baltimore sun article and not necessarily the donga.com which donga donga.com which you know sounds like a great trade paperback i want to read about a kimchi cartoon but not quite where i would get my health news yeah. This is just bad science. He's saying like, oh, fatalities were much higher in countries where fermented cabbage is not a staple diet. It's like, that's the most illogical correlation ever, right? Oh, Italy, Spain, and UK, they don't eat fermented cabbage at all. So clearly. Well, shouldn't this also work in like K-Town and like El Camino in the Bay Area? Like just places where there's Korean restaurants then? Yeah. We should look at K-Town's numbers in all of L.A. County versus the rest of uh, L.A. County. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, shouldn't we look at, like, people who eat hot dog and sauerkraut at Costco's, too? So if you're, like, near a Costco, then shouldn't the numbers be down as well? Yeah. Worst Kutch, all those fancy hot dog places. It also, the study says, also, if you consume a lot of yogurt and caviar, that'll help, too. I, 
I, I think we should just blend it all together like a like a shake. That's what I was just gonna say. I think we need to sell like the anti COVID nineteen shake with caviar yogurt and kimchi. <laughs> It'll be a thousand dollars a cup. Yeah, but it might save your life. It won't save your life. Put a fucking mask on. But hey, <laughs> we'll sell it. We'll sell this shit to you. Have you had a chance to watch Palm Springs yet? What what's it on Hulu, right? It's on Hulu. I did watch it. It is highly entertaining. It is so good. I mean, obviously, as a fan of... Why do you bring it up, dear Vubang? I, I, we'll get to that point. But, okay. I mean, anything that's like Groundhog Day, like I'm sold. But this is done really well. And obviously, anything that's made by Andy Sandberg from Berkeley, California, shout out Bay Area, I'm obviously going to be on board with. I wanted to bring it up because two folks involved with making the movie, Chris Pang, who you may all know from Crazy Rich Asians, plays a very pivotal part, a small but mighty part, in the film, which you can check out. He's the one who got married in the middle of Crazy Rich Asians. And then Quinn Tran, who is a cinematographer, who I think does an amazing job of showcasing what makes Palm Springs great. It's a beautiful movie, funny movie, weird sci-fi in a way movie. And can we say another Asian guy going down on a white girl? That's two in a week. I have no comment on that. Oh, well, I just commented on it. I mean, have you seen that before this week on TV or a film? Spoiler alert. That isn't porn? <laughs> Spoiler I don't. I'm not going to respond. I'm just going to black out. <laughs> just backing out? Fine. I'll keep talking about it. I'm just saying it's great to see an Asian male pleasuring a woman and the woman enjoying it. Great. Non-Asian women being with Asian men sexually. Thank you. It has been an interesting week between watching Palm Springs and Love Life with Anna Kendrick. So And Jin Ha, another goat. Yeah. I have a prediction about Jin Ha. I think he's going to be our next John Cho. I think so too. Like, you know how much we love John Cho? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's a great actor. He's unique. He's, gosh, where to even begin? I think that's all enough I need for me. I want to see him in a musical. He's been in musicals, right? But you want to see the actual musical. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if you haven't seen Love Life, please watch it. It is, I mean, if you miss Master of None and you, I guess, don't mind Anna Kendrick, people either love or hate Anna Kendrick, right? You love Anna Kendrick. I do. I do love Anna Kendrick. But... But you didn't like her in this, you said. It just doesn't seem like her type of... I like Anna Kendrick in very Anna Kendrick roles. This role did not seem like an Anna Kendrick role to me. Really? Yeah. But... Everybody is so good in this, including her best friend, her roommates, Jin Ha, all the all the men she dates throughout the episodes. It's just her mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the most realistic, at least for me, one of the most realistic portrayals of just dating, dating in life. Yeah. I mean, Master of None is a little bit whimsical, which I couldn't relate to, but loved. And then Atlanta, which is another sort of show that I love is just obviously very strange and not very relatable. But that's super surreal. Yeah. But like this show is just very, very relatable. Completely. Great stories. Great storytelling. Very funny. Really dark, sad stuff. Real shit. There is some stuff I had to forward through that were just like so embarrassing. I can't handle funny embarrassing. Like which part? We could spoil. Spoiler Love, love life spoiler. Yeah, like pretty much everything that happened at the funeral, I had, to, I had to forward through. If anybody's making an embarrassment of themselves, I just had to forward through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been in a situation like that, though. Not me, but like with a girl that would do something like that. And I'm just like, oh, my God. 
I feel bad for it, and I try to make it the best situation as possible. It wasn't a funeral, but still, it was like a family gathering, and it's like, what is happening? Yeah, that was pretty. I just couldn't watch it, yeah. Yeah. Another project we want you to check out or keep an eye out for is a new show coming from friend of the pod, Arvin Chen, and another friend of the pod, Ken Chang. We've interviewed Arvin before, like, gosh, it's been two or three years now. They just got a deal with Amazon developing a new TV comedy series called The Undesirables. It's from Scooter Braun's new production company, apparently, which is pretty cool. They're producing it with Jimmy O. Yang and Jessica Gao, who have their own production company, Crab Club. I love Arvin. I love Ken. Arvin's amazing if you can check out his past movies that he wrote, directed, and filmed in Taiwan. One's called Au Revoir Taipei. One's called Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? They have a new film also coming out called Ellie in Wonderland from Imagine Entertainment. Keep an eye out for that. We're just super excited for them and I can't wait to see what they're doing together. I know they've been shopping a lot of different ideas around and this one seems to have a green light finally, which is really exciting. Ken has also written for several sitcoms. Gosh, where to even begin? Wilfred, Betas, Sin City Saints, House of Chow. He's uh, writing and executive producing for HBO. Scooter Braun's company also just did Dave, so that's pretty exciting. So I can imagine this new show, The Undesirables, will be pretty good. Keep an eye out for it, everybody. I'm going to beg him for a role. What do you think? Are you technically an actor? Technically, am I an actor? Yes, I pretend to be really good at everything I do every day. How's your IMDb? I do have an IMDb page. (laughs) (laughs) It's really sad. I don't recommend... Is any of it for acting? No. (laughs) (laughs) So there, there you go. Not at all. Yeah, so thanks for reminding me. I'm not an actor, but I'm still going to beg for a role. doesn't hurt. I think as the only person of us who watches The Good Doctor, I do want to say that I like everything Daniel Day Kim does. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'll like his next next movie, which he's going to produce and star in. A Sweet Mess, a book by J.C. Lee. It's going to be a romantic comedy. It's about a pampered socialite turned small town baker. Sold. I actually don't need to read anymore. I'm done. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah, this is so up your alley, dude. <laughs> Wait, Asian Americans in a rom-com? Yes. Who loves her secluded life, getting better, but a cake mix-up and a jaded celebrity food critic threatens her hard-won freedom. Wow. Go to California's wine country and guess... Oh, wow. They're they're going to California wine country, so... I mean, I don't know how much better this can get, so... Yeah. I don't actually don't want to read anymore because it'll spoil it for me. You couldn't have written a more perfect synopsis for Vu Bang to fall in love with. Let's make a movie starring about you and an Asian-American male's love of rom-coms, and he's just trying to live the rom-com dream. I mean, it's essentially an Asian... It's like crazy rich Asians meet sideways. Right. But actually funny and not sad in any way, so... <laughs> sideways was not a comedy, right? Was it a co- Did you consider it a comedy? Yeah, Sideways, Sideways was totally a comedy. Okay. A dramedy. A total dramedy. That's what I'm saying. There's no way this is a dramedy. This is straight up comedy. Romantic comedy. You think this is just straight up rom-com? I want pure romantic comedy. I want something that'll show up on my Netflix and say, Hey, you've watched all these rom-coms. Would you like this rom-com? And I would watch it. Yeah, anything where like there's a princess mix-up. Or yeah. and then cue like remake of an '80s song. Yeah, that's a little slower. Or with like a new pop star. I love the book. It's based on a book called "A Sweet Mess" by J.C. Lee. The caption 
on the book cover is Bake a Chance on Love. Okay. All right, that's going too far. That's going too far. Bake a Chance on Love. Seriously, you had me at Cake Mix-Up. So. That's what sold Daniel Day Kim. Yeah. Some sort of Cake Mix-Up. My God. What is this coming out? I'm kind of more excited about this than the next uh, Wong Kar Wai film now. What's crazy, the book just came out. The novel published July 14th. Yeah, you could buy, you could option a book before the book comes out. No, no, yeah, yeah. I was just, that's so fast. All right, good for Daniel Day Kim. You're a big Adrian Tom. Oh, God, is it Tomine or is it Tomine? Tomine. Tomine. I will say it's Tomine. Because it's a Japanese name. Okay. Yes. It just sounds better when it's Tomine, yeah. And he's from Sacramento. You knew that, right? Shout out Sacramento. Yes, I did. Okay, good. But I'm not the type of person that really cares about that. Only people from the Bay, apparently. Yeah, me too. He went to Berkeley, but I'm not going to mention it at all. So yeah, <laughs> God, you're the worst. <laughs> he has a new book coming out. It's called "The Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist," and he's doing a virtual book tour. It's going to be all this week, Wednesday, July 22nd. He's doing one at 8 p.m. with Powell's Bookstore. Shout out Powell's in in Portland. It's going to be in conversation with Randall Park. Thursday, Books Are Magic with Wyatt Cenac, and then with other people who I don't know. But I, I love Randall Park and I love Wyatt Cenac, so I'm going to mention those. If you order from any of these bookstores, Powell's Books Are Magic, Harvard Bookstore, Politics and Prose, you will get a special book plate that is signed by him, I think. And then you can also enter a contest with John and Quarterly where you can win official stuff from, from him, including prints. So, right. Yeah, I've loved everything he does. Shortcomings is my favorite of his pretty excited to buy this book which i already have yeah i'm a huge fan as well i can't say i've read as many of his books as i'd like to have read just because i have too many goddamn books to read but i would point out he's also having a discussion from his home tuesday july 21st he's talking to seth who's another great graphic novel artist that one should be pretty interesting as well but yeah sacramento representing japanese american representing when did i first learn about it i just know I was stoked to just see that he had done artwork for Weezer. I was like, sweet. He's made it. <laughs> That's the most Sacramento thing I've heard you say. This podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. On the tail end of that, I just want to also talk about some other great comic artists, political artists that you can check out on a website called thenib.com. That's the N-I-B.com. They have, how to even begin, an amazing collection of political and social justice books, great graphic novels that talk about Black Lives Matter, that talk about politics, that talk about everything you can think of. LGBTQ, death, family, crime, really great. I have a few issues of their um, topic magazine, Nib Magazine, where they'll just pick a topic and the whole issue will be about that. So like scams, they have a whole issue about people getting scammed and Really want you to check that out. Really funny stuff, really topical stuff, really clever stuff. They're even selling George Takei's graphic novel, They Call This Enemy, which was uh, drawn by artist Harmony Becker. There's so many books on here, it's hard to even begin where to start. Yeah, I'd also, I'd also point out The Best We Could, which is about a Vietnamese family immigrating from, from Vietnam during the war. It's all illustrated, so it's much more... Fun to read than I think the usual novels immigration story, which I think yeah that's why I read comic books. Less words, more pictures. Another great book, Citizen One Three Six Six Zero. 
by Mine Okubo, uh, Documentation of Life Inside the Relocation Centers During World War II, which is similar to George Takei's They Called Us Enemy. But that's a bit more about his biographical life memoir. So yeah, check out The Nib. Lots of great stuff. There's tons of free stuff that you can read there as well. I mean, 95% of the stuff they post, it's the type of stuff you want to share on your social Instagram, whether it's talking about idiots and Karens not wearing their masks, whether it's Trump denying that there is even a pandemic or it's as bad as it is, or there's a great one about how this guy who does designs bunkers and how his sales jumped like 200% in the beginning of 2020. So it's all types of little stories, whether it's satire or true. So do check out The Nib. Before we go, we wanted to shout out a fellow podcast team. One of our past guest hosts, Mina San, has joined another podcast called Nothing Says Quarantine Like, and it's pretty damn funny. We're going to play a promo for you from them in a second here, but check them out when you get a chance. Really clever, really funny, well-produced, much better produced than ours they, they sound like they're like real radio djs right oh you're asking me for my opinion yeah i'm just embarrassed actually that's why i'm trying to ignore this you're embarrassed by i'm embarrassed by you actually so why because they're, they're so much better than you <laughs> you're part of this podcast too dude <laughs> well we could we'd like to think that we helped mina san get her podcast career off the ground how about that yeah i mean everybody needs to intern somewhere so she interned here <laughs> And then yeah. it's off to much better things. You got to start at the bottom and then, yeah, get your way to the top. What a better place to start than the Yellow Apparel Podcast. So check out this promo real fast and we'll be right back after this. Nothing says quarantine like a podcast is an apocalyptic talk show for people in quarantine by people in quarantine. Join KB Stacy, Kevin Kim, Mina Sun, and me, Kyle Duncan Graham, as we talk about our lives, give each other all of the shit, and slowly go insane. <laughs> Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Music, and visit our website. <gasps> Nothing says quarantine like a website.com. So extra. could you take a deeper breath, Kevin? <laughs> God, because nothing says quarantine like. Thanks for listening, Yellow Parlors. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with us or an event, project, or story you think we'd appreciate? Call and leave a voicemail at 8452-YELLOW. That's 845-293-5509 or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com. And as ever, you can just follow and comment on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, please consider subscribing, following, leaving us a review. That's how other people can find our podcast. Or you can even support us at Patreon, at patreon.com slash yellowperil. And if you support us, you will even receive rewards, like stickers, mugs, t-shirts, or maybe even a guest spot on the show. This episode was brought to you with the help of our editor, John Oriarte. Before we go, to end the show, it's our karaoke closer in honor of Weezer. Oh, man. It's <laughs> a set up. Yeah, baby. I mean, unless you got a better one. I mean, I feel like you can just do this right. You can just spit it out right now without looking something up. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what I want to sing because I love all their songs. This is random, but I remember when, oh, which which EP was that? I had an EP, a CD of of a Weezer. This is the only Weezer's album I really know, but the cover was uh, one of those Japanese Lucky Cats. Pinkerton. Yeah, I got a bunch of them. Oh, a Lucky Cat? Yeah, it's one of those Lucky Cats. It must have been Pinkerton. It was an EP. You don't remember the song?
I remember it was limited edition, so I bought a bunch of them and saved them and then just sold a bunch of it online. Could be worth a lot more now. It's a CD, though. I do not ever remember seeing that. Maybe it was a bootleg. No, it was uh, definitely real. Find it. Prove it. All right, I'm going to sing Say It Ain't So really fast, or I'm going to try. Somebody's hiding. It's crowding my icebox. Somebody's cold one. It's giving me chills. Guess I'll just close my eyes. Oh yeah, all right. Feels good inside. Flip on the telly, wrestle with Jimmy. Something is bubbling behind my back. The bottle is ready to blow. Dun-dun, dun-dun. Say it ain't so. Your drug is a heartbreaker. Dun-dun, dun-dun. Say it ain't so. My love is a life taker. Did you, were you looking at the lyrics when you did that or? I did, just to make it easier. I probably could have done it, but I just feel more comfortable. (laughs) The EP was The Lion and the Witch. It's a six. Huh. Yeah. It's like, it's a drawing of Japan, somewhere in Japan. It was pretty cool. I bought a bunch because it was limited and there's like, it's numbered. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was drawn by Cozy and Dan. Oh, the wonder. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That's why it sounded, Yeah. That's definitely a cozy and Dan. You should reach out and see if they have the original. See if they have the original art that we can buy. They <laughs> probably gave it to. Uh, yeah. River Cuomo. I wonder. Yeah, it totally looks like cozy and Dan. And now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm 99 percent sure that's a cozy and Dan. I mean, you can look carefully to see. That's so funny. Yeah, if you Google Weezer cozy and Dan, it shows up <laughs> right away. <laughs> nice. Shout out to Cozy and Dan, not from Sacramento.